Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. As for us, and then the love that we have for God, and now in chapter 4, the love that we have for each other. So uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 through 18. We, we, we might, let me see how much time I have. We, it, 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 it might, <laughs> trying to figure out, it might get a little bit deep today. So um, I really just feel like you need to learn something sometimes before you do something. So if preaching is all just motivational speaking, uh, it misses out on uh, some of what Scripture does. What Scripture does is it will, it will motivate us, but it will also teach us. And there's different verses that do different things. And this is one of those teaching verses. And you know this because it starts in verse 12. It says, no one has seen God at any time. That's a theological sentence. Uh, he's describing something that's true about God, an attribute of God that he is invisible. And no one, he says, has seen God at any time. Because what he's about to reveal to you about love You will only understand as you understand the character and the nature, especially the nature of God. He says God is invisible. No one uh, living has seen God at any time. Now, outside of time, some folks have seen him, but within time, they haven't seen him. And then he says, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. In other words, people may not have a chance to see God, but they will see us. And as they see us loving one another, they get a shadow or a glimpse of God. It's not a perfect representation, but they can, they can get an idea of who God is based on how we love one another. Does that make sense? Which is why it's so important that Christians do not extract themselves from the society, the society that they live in. This, this is why like, we're not all moving to North Dakota. Because <laughs> Austin's too liberal. We're not all, we're not all, like, we're not going to get a compound in Waco. Like, this is why we're not going to, amongst various reasons also, because I don't want to live with you all. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the, but this is why, like, we're not seeking to escape the culture and try to, like, hide away. Because if we, if we, what is it, uh, 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 hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. You're right. If, if we hide the light of the love of God away from society, then society will not have a representation of God in Austin, Texas. Could it be that God, like what God is doing in you is more than just about you? Could it be it's more like he's trying to teach you to love your spouse, not because he wants your marriage to be wonderful, but because he wants your marriage to be a picture of the love of God for the people around you. This is why I, I was talking to some pastors this past week. We had a little meeting up in North Austin with some of my pastor friends, and, and one, of, one, of their, one of their complaints in the summer, uh, this is a summertime pastor complaint. I'll let you guys in on it. Uh, summertime pastor complaint is, is kids' sports. Because nothing takes people out of church like kids' sports. This is true. Like they all, like, I don't know. They schedule sports like on Sunday morning. Now, 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 now I was brought up that, that we still went to church. And so I remember I was like 13 years old and we had got to the championship, the final championship game in, in the AYSO, AYSO soccer organization. And I was the lead. I was like the captain of the, of the defense. I was center defense. And so I was important, very important, obviously. And, and, and I had to tell my, my coach that I couldn't play. Because they scheduled on Sunday morning. I said, I'll pray, but I can't play. 
turns out me praying is better than me playing because we won. And uh, not because I wasn't there at all, but because I was praying, okay? I was contributing. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, and so I grew up in a, in, a, in a church that was about 30 people, and we had that mindset that, you know what, we're, we're going to go to church no matter what. And I, and I, and I just wonder if that's, if that's what John would say. Do, does, does, does coming to church display the love of God? Does removing yourself from sports give you opportunities to get to know people, to invite them into the love of God? Or does actively engaging in your community, whether it's sports or scouts or whatever it might be, could that open up doors for you to display the love of God? Which is why I never beat people up for taking their kids to baseball on Sunday morning. Now, if you're just doing baseball, then that's a problem. But if you're doing baseball as a representation of the love of God and you're connecting with other parents as a representation of the love of God, you can have church out there on the field because you're ministering to people because that's what it's all about. Got quiet. Pastor said, maybe we shouldn't go to church. I don't know. Should I go to church? Should I not go to church? I'm not sure what I should do. Just tell me what to do. What are the rules? The rule is love. This is the key. It is because we have lacked love. I think that pastors have been frustrated that people, because they know that they're just going to the soccer field and they're not ministering to people. They're not inviting them to anything further. They're not inviting them to coffee or to church. They're not inviting them to anything. They're not even talking to them. <laughs> and so that's not love. But the, the love of God, when it gets in your heart, when it starts operating inside of you, it says it abides. And then God abides in us. And then we are representations and we are purposefully, intentionally engaging our community. This is, this, is, this, is, this is how churches grow, by the way, not by Google ads, but by people who reach out to their community. And so, and so, and, and so we do that. He says, this is, this is, this is verse 13. I, I have to get going. And he, and he is in us because we, we know that we abide in him and that he abides in us because he has given us of his spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Now notice, just in two verses, he says, By this we know that we abide in him, because he has given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. It's the second time John says this in chapter four. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. <laughs> this, is, this is a thick scripture. It's really deep. But I want to dive into it because it's really helpful. And I want to talk to you today. It may not make sense initially. My, my, my sermon title might not make sense. But I want to talk to you today about um, being in the middle of the triangle. Being in the middle of the triangle. That's right, the Bermuda Triangle. We, uh, <laughs> not quite. Not, that wasn't the triangle I was talking about. But that is the, the, the triangle that we think of. Um, uh, Micah, my son, had a birthday this month, and um, it was, uh, he had a whole, the whole day planned out. 
And uh, I mean, everything like we were going to go to P. T- uh, P. Terry's for dinner. We were going to go to the river with friends. Friends were going to come spend the night like the whole, the whole day planned out. And then it rained all day, the whole day. Not, not just a little bit of rain, but like you remember early June, it was like flash flooding. It actually killed the pump of our septic because it over flooded things. I mean, it was, it was a lot of rain. So instead of doing everything he planned, we just stayed uh, in the house. We, we played some video games and we watched some movies, family movies. So we hadn't seen uh, the new Gulliver's Travels yet. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but I always kind of like Gulliver's Travels, but then this is Jack Black Gulliver's Travels, which is even better. So it's actually kind of funny. And we watched it. And uh, the whole story, I don't know if you're, you're familiar with Gulliver's Travels, but basically he, he sails out and he sails into the Bermuda Triangle. Things get weird in the Bermuda Triangle and he goes to this like other dimension or this other world where there's these small people and big people and all this kind of thing. And which got us talking about the Bermuda Triangle. We started talking about it because Micah was like, what's the Bermuda Triangle? And so uh, we started Googling good old uh, homeschool parent time to learn about geography. And it's this kind of um, loosely defined triangular location somewhere south, like southwest of, uh, southeast of Florida. It's in, down by Bermuda. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's rumored, it's, it's really more folklore than anything. It's not a lot of science to it. Uh, there's a lot of folklore to it. There, there have been various people that have gone missing in the Bermuda Triangle. There was five uh, military planes, like I think it was in the 40s, that they, all five of them just went missing. Um, there's various kind of, uh, a couple famous people, they think, I think Elvis is probably in there. Uh, I don't know. There's like, there's, there's, been some, there's been some weird stories about the Bermuda Triangle. And there's been some hypotheses about like what what causes it. One of the issues, well, one of the things that we know is that uh, the the area of the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, where the Bermuda Triangle is, that's the deepest area of the entire ocean that, that humans know about yet. Uh, it's a, it's literally it's like a it's like it's a, within a hundred feet of it, it is how it it's it's as deep as Mount Everest is tall. So you just invert that. <laughs> That's really deep. So we know that something's kind of weird about that area and that it's so deep. But also they've there's been. Um, uh, magnetic issues, I guess. Uh, people's compasses sen- tend to do weird things, and their their instrument panels tend to do weird things in the Bermuda Triangle. Now, they also do weird things in other places around the globe too. So that's not the only place that that happens. But there's been some rumors that maybe the um, the, the, the the polarities, the Earth polarities, kind of have a conflict there. There's also the the, the Gulf Stream that flows through the Bermuda Triangle. So there's a number of very powerful factors that have led uh, you know Gulliver to find the Lilliput for instance. Uh, there's a number of very powerful factors that lead people to say, well, there's something dangerous, something weird about the Bermuda Triangle. But, but that's not really the triangle I want to talk to you about. I just spent the whole time so that I could say that, that, that I, what John is talking about here is the God Triangle, being in the middle of the God Triangle. And just like the Bermuda Triangle has, it's mysterious and particularly dangerous and slightly powerful because it there's a confluence of several powerful forces involved all in one place a triangulation of several powerful things happening both underneath the water above the water and moving across the water there's there's several different forces at play and in the same way John is illustrating three different primary forces at play in a believer's love of God, in particular, their, their love for each other. 
And so if we can go back to the verse, you can just leave it on the screen. I'll probably just be there most of the time. Uh, in verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit. So that's, that's the first massive force at play. Secondly, uh, we have seen and testify that the Father, that's the second massive force at play, has sent the Son, and that's the third massive force at play. This is one of several passages that, that people reach to for a, a description of the Godhead. Uh, some would call it the Trinity or the Trinitarian Godhead, but basically that God has revealed himself in three distinct uh, the old word is persons. It's not really an accurate, I don't know, it's, it's a hard, it's, it, you can't really have an accurate human word for what God is. But if you really dig into it, he's, he's revealed himself, and I just use the word persons because not separate persons, like there's one God in three persons, and, or in three uh, distinctions, in three powerful forces at play. For instance, in, in the book of Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, not the, not the beginning of everything, but the beginning of everything that we know, of time and of space, of matter. In that beginning, there was God, and God was, God was there before the beginning, and he happens to be in the beginning, and he says, God said, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Genesis 1.1, and it says, and, and the earth was void and without form, and the Spirit of God, that's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. The word hover means, to, means like, a, like a mother hen will sit on, sit on her eggs and brood. And so God, the Father, the Creator, produces an egg of an earth. And then the Spirit of God dwells on that egg and just kind of, I guess, warms it up. I don't know. But he's brooding. He's dwelling. He's, I mean, that would have been crazy to see. And he's just, he's just hovering. He's about to do, but he's not. And the Spirit of God is doing that. Then God said, then God said, and in John, John's gospel, not first John, but in John's gospel, uh, chapter one, it says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. In other words, distinct beside God, but the word was also God. So you explain that and uh, you get a prize. I cannot explain that except what scripture says, that the word Jesus was with God and then he was also God. And so you have God creating the heavens and the earth, but it's void without form or function. There's no trees, there's no grass, there's no, there's no symmetry. There's, 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 it's just a clump. And then the spirit of God starts hovering and then the voice of God starts speaking and you have these three massive forces and when the when he said let there be light there was suddenly light and then that light was the life of men and that life began creating and creating and creating and it's still creating even today because it's the universe as it expands it's still moving because God never said to stop the light God never said back off God never no it's still moving and so and so in the beginning we see a perfect picture of 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 the triangle if you will the triangle of the father and he and he and he he does something he creates something and then the spirit hovers over or dwells with something and then the son produces the the reality of what the father had created he finishes 
Remember, he hung on the cross and said, it is finished. He came, he said, I've come to finish the work. And, and, and in fact, in John's gospel, the son said, said, I think it's in John chapter five. We don't have it on the screen, but he said, he said, the father has been working up until now. And I also have been working. In other words, the father is doing something, but the son comes alongside him and completes the work that the father started. Right? And so, and so you see here, you see the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You see the overall triangle. And in, in the middle of the community of the Godhead, this is so hard to explain, but in the, in the middle of that community, earth was born. <laughs> like, it, okay, so, so, so John says God is love, right? And that's a statement he says twice. That's a massive statement. In other words, God is self-defined. He's defining himself. It doesn't mean that he is loving, even though he is. No, he is love. He is love kind of like I am white. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I, 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 I am white. I cannot be anything other than white. I, I, I'm Caucasian, and, I'm, and that, that's how I was born. I didn't have control over it. I didn't choose it, right? But I am, I am white. And, and, and I was born in 1980, and I can't change that. It's part of my identity. It's part of who I am. I can, I can, you know, I, I, I can dress differently. I can talk differently. I can act differently. I can, I can, I can think I'm younger than I really am. I can try stuff that younger people try, but I am not. I am 41 years old, and and I cannot change that. It's part of my identity. I'm white. It's part of my identity, right? And 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 and, 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 and in the same way, God is love. It's not something he does occasionally. It's not something he learned to do. It's not something he tries. It's something that he is. He is love. This is his identity. And if, 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 if that's what God is, we know that God doesn't change. So what God is now, he has always been. And the reason why it's important, I think, to go back to the beginning, I was listening to Tony Evans preach on this same chapter. Uh, I, like, I like Tony Evans. He's up in Dallas. And he was, he was going back to the beginning. He's, and it, he said, which is very theologically just a, a common thing, that whatever God is, he has always been. So if God is love, he has always been love. Before, get this, before there was anyone to love. Before there were angels, before there were people, before there was an, a planet, God was Love. What is love? The word here, agape, love, means to seek the highest good of someone else other than yourself. So that means before time and space, before angels and demons, before you and I, before Google and the internet, uh, way back there, way back before Facebook, um, God... So that's why I tell kids now, I tell teenagers, man, I, I, I was around before the internet. They're like, man, you are old. That is 1980. You are 41 years old. Uh, but man, before any of that stuff, there was God and God was love because what God is, God has always been. In other words, God was seeking the highest good of someone else when there was no one else around. So the question is, How? <laughs> How is God seeking the high in love? And how is he literally love when there's no one else for him to love? Well, the answer is very simple, himself. There is a dynamic within God that is hard to explain. And I've been trying to poorly explain Trinity or three in one and one and three and three. And there's, there is a dynamic within God himself that he has revealed himself in very real ways as father, as son, and as Holy Spirit. And within that triangle, there was love. 
there was seeking the highest good. For instance, when you look at John's gospel, uh, we, we don't have this passage up on the screen, but in John's gospel, it says multiple times, I think it's John 5, verse 20, the, Jesus said the Father loves the Son and shows him all the things that he is doing. Uh, in John three thirty-five, the Father loves the Son and gives him all things and puts all things into his hands. In fact, Colossians says that all things were made by Jesus, through Jesus, for Jesus. No, so, 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 so everything was made by Jesus, through Jesus, for Jesus. So there's, once again, there's three, <laughs> there's three ways of looking at this. There's three components. There's, there is this, there's this love triangle. <laughs> Got to be careful how you say that. But anyway, the God triangle, long before any, any individual entered the picture, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't know if you guys watch um, Marvel stuff, but I, I like to keep up with the, the Loki. Lo, Loki is the newest one. And so I haven't watched the third week yet. But it's, if, you, if, you, if you watch, Peter and I were talking about this. Marvel likes to take shots at, at, at Christianity and kind of deconstruct uh, biblical theories and if, uh, or bi- biblical beliefs. And uh, if, you, if you doubt me, just look back at some of the Marvel movies kind of with that in your mind. But even like this one, I can already kind of see where they're going with this because Loki has been taken into a place where all of his powers are like useless and they're brought into what he says is the most powerful force in the universe. And it's three. It's three timekeepers. Have you noticed that? Three timekeepers who are like dictating uh, the correct flow of time and what should and shouldn't happen. And Loki doesn't like that because he feels like he's on his own path. He's on his own story, his own journey. He's making his own decisions. So he's kicking against sovereignty, really. And uh, it's, just, it's just interesting. So I, I kind of see where they're going to be headed with this. But, but, but humanity likes that. We like the idea. That we are our own captain. We are our own story. But, but biblically, we are not. We have stepped into the middle. We were created in the middle of a triangle. We were created in the middle of love. We were created in the middle of perfect love, of perfect community. Which is why you'll never be satisfied anywhere else. Because you were created in love for love. Proverbs chapter 8 gives a very interesting story, and this we do have on the screen. Uh, Proverbs chapter 8, there's this, uh, pretty much the whole chapter is about wisdom. And Jesus, the New Testament says, Jesus is the wisdom of God. And wisdom says that I was beside him, I was beside God as a master craftsman. This is in the very beginning. This is when he brought forth the world and he set the mountains, he set the boundaries of the oceans, it says earlier in chapter 8. He says, I was beside him as a master craftsman. A master craftsman is the son of a carpenter (laughs) who would sit beside his father and learn the father's trade. And the father would start something and the son would finish it. (laughs) And the father would start something and the son would finish it. And this is what wisdom says. He says, I was beside God as a master crafter, as a son sits with his father, both participating and both building something. But what's really interesting is the son is actually, he's going to take over the father's business. Therefore, he is building things for himself. So all things were built by him, through him, and for him. Because he's building something that he's going to inherit. (laughs) He has an inheritance, and that's the entire earth. That's you and me. In fact, he says, "I I, I was daily his delight. 
So this is, this is, this is, this is, the, this is the God triangle. The Father delights in the Son. The Father loves the Son. The Father loves the Son so much, he says, I'm going to create an entire world with a whole bunch of beauty and species and, and birds and multiple fish that we haven't even discovered yet in the really deep ocean that's like Mount Everest, right? Like We can't even, like, there's all kinds of beauty that, that hasn't been created for us to see. It was created for somebody else to see. It was created to fascinate and to please and to enamor and to, and to beautify somebody else. And so the father says, I love my son so much. It's like a birthday party, right? I'm going to throw this massive party for him, celebrate him, make much of him, so that the entire world is created to elevate the son, Jesus, that he is the reason for everything, his glory his name, everything is about him. And what, 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 what's wonderful about this, about this triangle is that, is that the Father starts doing this and then the Spirit comes alongside. And the Spirit starts brewing and starts creating, making it possible. And even, even today, Jesus said before he went up into heaven, he said, I will pray the Father and he will send the Spirit. And the Spirit will not speak about himself. He will remind you about everything I said. So this is, this is the, the God triangle. The Father has great purposes for his Son. The Spirit points to the Son. And then the Son elevates the Father. And so the Son in John's Gospel said, Now I'm about to be glorified when he's about to be crucified. And the Son said, I don't do what I want to do. I only do what my Father says in order that he may be glorified. What's happening? There's this God triangle where love seeking the highest good is flowing to the Spirit. And then the Spirit is seeking the highest good of the Son. And the Son is seeking the highest good of the Father. And the Father is seeking the highest good of the Spirit. And the Spirit is seeking the highest good of the Son. And the Son is seeking the highest good of the Father. This is what love is. This is why your marriage will never work as long as you're seeking your highest good. Because there's no, because the, res, the reciprocity of, of love is supposed, to, is supposed to emanate from one to another, to another, to another, to another, to another, so that the Son is never less glorified. And as soon as he's glorified, he glorifies the Father. And the Father is never less glorified because as soon as he's glorified, he sends the Spirit. And as soon as the Spirit starts to get any recognition at all, the Spirit starts speaking about Jesus and telling people about Jesus. And so, and so there's, this, there's this amazing, you and I are not in this other picture. We're created in the middle of this love triangle, this God triangle. The Father, the Spirit, and the Son. And the Father loves the Son. And then the Son creates things for the Father. The, Jesus said, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. In other words, he came to bring people to the Father. <laughs> but, but all of us were created for him. And so it's like the Father gives the Son a gift, and the Son uses that gift to bless the Father. And then sin entered into the world, which, which breaks the God triangle. It breaks love. It's the absence of love. It's the opposite of love. It's selfishness. It's self-serving. It's what is in it for me. What am I getting out of it? it, it it's, 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 it's without the three massive forces in the world. And sin removes us from the presence of God and from the love of God and from within the triangle so that we start thinking about ourselves and we start evaluating ourselves. And so in order to win back 
the son then has to die for that thing which was created for him. And he purchases it back. And scripture says that because of that, because he was obedient to the father, to the point of death, it says, because he was obedient, the father has given him a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so even when Jesus is most elevated, when he is most glorified, when he is most worshiped as he should be, he takes that worship and he sends it to the Father. The Father receives that worship and he sends his spirit, which enables us to cry, Abba, Father, which empowers us to recognize Jesus, to walk with Jesus, to know Jesus, to know his teachings, and to worship Jesus, and sends us to the feet of Jesus. And we come to the feet of Jesus, and we elevate him, we worship him, and then he worships, and he sends, he sends the worship on up to his Father. And there's this beautiful thing. And when you're in the middle of the triangle, it all works. <laughs> when you're in the middle of the triangle, then you are in the place where creative miracles happen. This is, by the way, this, churches that learn to live in love, we'll see the miraculous power of God. We, we enter into the miraculous power of God, not through, see, this is where Jesus said, if, if, if I'm in you and you're in me, then you will ask anything in my name. I'll ask the Father. The Father will send the Son and will do it. Why? Because within, within the God triangle, everyone has everything they need. Because you're not giving up anything. As soon as you give up something, you receive something. As soon as you plant something, you reap something. As soon as you release something, you receive something. This is what you were created for. This is the, the environment that you were made for. You were made for, love is not just an activity, it's an atmosphere. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a temperature. It's a, it's a place to live and to go through life and to continue. It's not, it's not continually checking your attitude all the time. It's, it's having love in your heart so that the attitude that naturally flows out of your heart is one of love, one of self-sacrifice, one of giving to others. And so this is where, this is what John is talking about. John says, look, this is where Jesus came from. He's beside his father. He's building with his father. He's being delighted. The father's delighting in him. But then he says, I was rejoicing in his inhabited world. My delight was in the sons of men. And there's this, there's this, there's this triangle happening. There's this beautiful triangle happening. And so, and so that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about, are you in the middle of the triangle? This isn't an Illuminati sermon. This is just, I'm just, I just mean, are you in the middle of the triangle of the love of God? Which by the way, the pentagram is like two triangles flipped around because Satan's always trying to <laughs> imitate and then, and then warp. But the question is, are you in the middle of this God triangle? Are you living in love or is love something you visit occasionally? You merely fly near the Bermuda Triangle, but you want to keep control of your plane. And so you don't go into the triangle. The truth is anyone who comes into the God triangle, they start to lose control. Their old dashboard doesn't work the same. Their old compass doesn't work the same. Stuff they thought was true north, right? Things that they've always said and they've always believed and their family always taught. All that stuff gets turned on its head and we're introduced to this new level called love. 
which seeks the highest good, not necessarily always uh, the highest compliment, not necessarily the, the, the highest benefit, not what I can get from you. And so the dashboard of my life, many times, see, in it, it, just the way that we typically fly through life in, in, our, in our little airplanes is all of our dashboards are basically mirrors, right? How is my marriage doing? Well, how fulfilled do I feel in my marriage? This is how we evaluate. How are my kids doing? Well, how, how, how well are they doing the things that I think they ought to be doing? How's my church doing? Well, did I get fed this week? <laughs> I hear that all the time. Pastor, just not getting fed anymore. Uh, well, okay. You might want to look into that. Because um, feeding, hopefully, feeding doesn't just happen on Sundays. And if it is only happening, if you're only having one meal every week on Sunday for, at 10 a.m., you're going to be skinnier than me before very long. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to work. So if you're not getting fed, that's a personal issue with you and God. Step into love. There is no short of food for your soul in the middle of the triangle. There's no short for, of encouragement for your soul in the middle of the triangle. There's no short for motivation in the middle of the triangle. Now, if you're just relying on church, you're, you're flying near, you're getting close to the triangle, you're, you're watching it from the outside, then yeah, oh yeah, there's not a lot of love out there. There's really not, because love, God is love. And so when you remove yourself from God, you remove yourself from love. But if you'll come into where God is, and then the beauty about God is he is one person, but he's displayed himself in these three, three dimensions. And we find ourselves in the middle of those three dimensions. And we find it. And that's, and that's really what worship is. Worship is just standing in the middle and just looking around. <laughs> like, like, like today, as we were singing, we were just looking around at who God is. And he's infinite. And so if you think three persons in one, like if you think that's confusing, like wait till you actually... Get out of time and space and see part of him. <laughs> and for all eternity, we'll be seeing new, because he's eternal, he's infinite. So his beings, his attributes are infinite. You never learn everything there is to learn about God. You only learn the most of what he's shared with you. And what he's shared with us is so much, we'll never actually figure all of that out. And so all of eternity is just standing within the middle of God and looking around and saying, wow, you're beautiful. Wow, you're amazing. Wow. It's, it's constantly being amazed by this God who is, and he's not just static, he's dynamic. And he's moving. That's why he created all of this. He created so much that moves and breathes and, and does weird stuff, right? Like fleas. He created fleas. Like fleas do a full flip every jump. Like their back legs are so powerful that every time they jump, they do a, a flip. And, and humans didn't even know this until we got microscopes small enough to observe it. So for thousands of years, people thought fleas were just jumping. And, and Jesus is like, ah, look at that one. Oh, that's a good one. Like, I'll, I'll give him nine points. His toes were curled, you know. It was just kind of, you know, this, why? Why is he doing that? For his own glory, for his own benefit. Because he delights in variety. He delights in beauty. And so he just creates stuff that may not even lead to his glory in terms of us recognizing him and saying, wow, you're awesome. It's like, it's like he's hidden so many things. For thousands of years, we didn't even know there were magnets in mountains, you know? We didn't even know that there was this magnetism happening. If you would have said that, like, people would have thought you were like some kind of witch or something. They probably would have burned you at the stake if you said there was an invisible magnetic force around this rock. Why? Because we're so afraid of what we don't know, and yet we don't really know God. Somewhere above the way that he's revealed himself, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, there is a, an unidentifiable, unknowable 
uh, mist <laughs> haze of a God who dwells in complete transcendence. And yet he has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we do participate in communion with him. And as we do, we transcend. We, like his transcendence moves into our everyday life. And so are you in the middle of the triangle? Well, I don't know. Well, how, how do you evaluate your life? Is it based on love? Because if, if, you, if you evaluate your marriage based on love, your question will be, how's my marriage doing? In other words, how are the needs of my spouse being met? Are my, is my spouse fully met? That's why Ephesians 5 says, wives, submit to your husbands. Notice, God gives commands to wives concerning how they treat their husbands. Not wives do the laundry, not wives do blah, blah, blah. No, it's all about how she's connected to her husband. Why? Because God is a God of community. And so if you're evaluating your, your relationship based on what you get out of it or based on, well, I said I would do, 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 and I'm doing that, and he's just not doing his part, then your marriage will not reflect the love of God. But in order for a marriage to reflect the love of God, this, the, the wife has to look at the husband and say, Is, are his needs being met? Am I submitted to him? And in the same way, he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Not go to work, not provide uh, blah, 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 but love your wife. In other words, it's not based on something that a husband does, but based on the relationship. Is his wife loved? Loved, prioritized, put above everything else. Her highest good being sought every single day. This is, this is how God evaluates. And then, and then God speaks to the children in Ephesians 5 and says, children, uh, honor your father and mother. Obey your father and mother. In other words, there's no set thing, well, do this and then you're good. But no, whatever your father and mother say, which I remind my kids about that frequently. And, and I remember being 12 years old and thinking, well, you know, I don't know that my mom, is, my mom is being unreasonable. I don't think she's being very reasonable. Well, it doesn't say honor your reasonable father and mother. <laughs> children, obey your reasonable parents. No, it says children, obey your parents in the Lord. So as long as they're not asking you to do something that's outside of the Lord, right, then obey them. And, 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 and the key is, okay, so, so well, well what, what, what do I get if I do that? You'll come into love. You'll move into God's neighborhood. This is how you enter into his neighborhood, by how you treat others. God has limited his, your experience of him based on your experience with other people. That's what he says in 1 John. He says, if we love one another, then God's love abides in us. If we love one another, then he dwells with us. If we, if we live in love, then we live in God. If we, if we love action, activity, if we are doing the love, if we are doing the things that he says, if we're, if we're in the middle, then we're in the middle of God. And when we're in the middle of God, you have the power of God, the peace of God, the presence of God in your life flowing in and through. And until then, you don't. This, this kind of thing is not entered in through, through worship. It's not entered in through prayer. It's not entered in through Bible reading. It's not entered in through preaching. This is why the church that is loveless will not experience the power of God, no matter how good the music is. But the church that learns to love one another, the church that love, that is loving one another, they are the churches that are experiencing the power of God, regardless of denomination, regardless of, you know, beliefs and uh, political views. 
Masks or no masks, vax or no vax, regardless, <laughs> Trump or Biden, it doesn't matter. Like regardless of where you fall and all these uh, hands raised or, or down or, you know, holding the TV. I mean, like however you, <laughs> loud or quiet, like, like th- th- this is not where God, God's miraculous power doesn't rest on the Pentecostals. It rests on those who love. And so revival breaks out among those who love one another, because you can have Pentecostal worship without love for one another. And all you have is good music. That's it. And good music never saved anybody. Carl Lentz, good music doesn't save anyone. You must have love for one another. Carl Lentz is a famous preacher who just kind of did some crazy stuff because he didn't love people. He loved himself. He had great music, a Hillsong pastor. I mean, he's like, he knows all about music. And, but but he, he didn't, he wasn't walking in love. And I'm praying that now, maybe, something's been exposed. Maybe he'll decide to step into love. So, so, so how do you step into love? Well, you can step into love right now. It starts with faith in Jesus. It starts with turning away from sin. It starts with flying your life into the Bermuda or the God Triangle. It's, make, it's a decision, right? And that's why, we, that's why we talk about making decisions for Christ and, and, and confessing him, right? Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, that's, that's how you start. But then there are many other ways. Uh, I was encouraged just this week, somebody posted, I think it was Yazenia posted about, you know, spending five minutes alone with God every day in prayer, just at the beginning of the day. It makes such a powerful difference. And so absolutely, spending some time in his word, spending some time daily in prayer, even if it's not hours upon hours, but whatever you can at any point in the day. I pray before I go to bed because I'm too groggy in the morning. <laughs> I, don't wanna, I don't know. Uh, I haven't had my coffee yet. But I mean, I pray before I go to bed. I spend time with God. We must spend time with God. This is how you move into love. Because you, don't, you and I don't have it to love our spouses or love our kids or love our coworkers or love people who vote differently than us, who look differently than us. We don't have it within ourselves. We don't do it that, that way. That's not how it happens. Instead, we come into the middle of the triangle and then his love starts flowing through us. And we get in the flow. We get in the flow of his love. We don't, we don't generate it ourselves. We get in the flow of his love. And as we receive from him, we give out what we've received. And then we receive more and we give out what we received. And then we receive more and we give out what we receive. And his spirit works inside of us. And his spirit teaches us about Jesus. And we worship Jesus. And then Jesus uh, directs us toward the Father. And we understand the heart of the Father. And then his spirit works inside of us. And we worship Jesus. And Jesus teaches us about the Father. And we understand the heart of the Father. And his spirit works within us. And his spirit tells us stuff. Like, hey, you ought to talk to that person at the grocery store. Hey, you ought to pray for this person over here. I don't want to do that. I'll I'll, I'll look weird. But Jesus is our example. And so the Spirit says, yeah, but remember, Jesus went to the cross. Remember, Jesus laid down. He didn't do what he wanted. He did what the Father wanted. And I'm telling you, if you'll talk to this person. And so then we talk to that person, and it creates a, a conversation. We invite them to church, and then they experience the love of the Father, and then they receive the Spirit. And the Spirit tells them stuff and reminds them of everything that Jesus is. And they start imitating Jesus. And, 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 and this is how the kingdom of God grows in the middle of the triangle. So let's just start today. Let's just start right now. If you close your eyes with me, and if you haven't ever done this, if you're watching from home or you're here in person, and you haven't 
specifically decided that Jesus is the Son of God, that I'm going to believe that, and that I'm going to move my life, I'm going to build my life upon his love, as we sang today. If you haven't just made that decision, this is the time to make that decision and say, I don't know what, what, what that means even, but I'm deciding I'm going to build my life upon his love. And so for some of us, that's just the first step. So the way you do that is you just, you just start talking to him. <laughs> you were created for this, this, this God triangle in the middle of it. Everything was created in the middle of it, out of this divine love. Every beautiful thing was born. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Every good and perfect gift. And so you, you haven't even known him, but he's been around. You haven't even acknowledged him, but he's been around. You don't have to acknowledge the sun to receive its benefits. He's been around. He's been shining on your life. He's been protecting you. He's been, he's been uh, holding you up and, and, and holding things back from you. He's been bringing beauty into your life and beautiful people and beautiful moments and joy and, and, and different things. And he's, he's been sowing into you, even when you didn't acknowledge him. And so now that you start to acknowledge him, imagine how much more you'll receive and how much more you'll understand. And so this is, this is the beginning, just to say, God, I need you. I choose to build my life on your love. I believe that Jesus is the son of God and that he has died for my sins and that in him I am forgiven, that in him I am washed clean, in him uh, I, am, I am perfect and I'm removed from my sins and that in him I have the power to do what you're calling me to do. And I just open myself up to you. It's literally like if you fly into the Bermuda Triangle, you don't have to start adjusting the gauges. Your, 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 your magnetism will just do it. It'll start going weird anyway. And you just have to submit to it. So Lord, come rearrange my, come rearrange my, my, my compass. Come rearrange my true north. Come rearrange what I desire and what I love and what I, what I want and what, I, what I'm looking for out of life. Come, come rearrange my priorities. Come rearrange my, my relationships. Come rearrange my, my eating habits, my drinking habits, my, my, all of my life. Lord, I, I'm, I'm coming into you for you to come over me and take over me. And if that's your prayer, you just have to say something like that. I'm coming into you, and I'm asking you to come into me. I'm asking you to take over me. I'm asking you to start. This is where the Spirit starts working. He'll start telling you stuff tomorrow morning. Hey, don't, don't think that. Don't look at that. Don't go there. Don't talk to that. He'll start telling you some things not to do, and he'll start telling you some things to do. Start, how about you start praying right now? How about you, how about you read some of Scripture? How about, how, how, how about you tune in to that, to that podcast? How about you listen to this? And he'll start giving you new ideas and fresh ideas. And for those that are, you know, we, we, we are in God, or we would say that we are, but man, our lives don't look like we're in the middle of the triangle. Father, we, we, we repent for ways that we have been unloving. Uh, ways that we have allowed love to seep out of our lives. And we got so hurt, or we got so distracted, or we got so used to it <laughs> that we weren't fascinated by your love anymore. We weren't challenged by your love anymore. We weren't convicted by it. We weren't even thinking about whether or not we were walking in love. We just assumed that we had it. Lord, would you bring us back into the middle Bring us back into the center where there's balance. Bring us back into the center, to the place where the Father is creating something, the Spirit is hovering, and the Son is working.
And that in the middle of the Godhead, we find ourselves in him. May we live in him. May that love flow out to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray.